Welcome to Keeping It Real's podcast, where we believe in real hope, real love, and a real God. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. God really has something for us when we come, man. He's, he's, he's helping us. Hallelujah. Real quick announcements, and I got to ask these announcements. I got to ask because I wasn't prepared. I forgot all about them, but we have two things coming up. One is the She Conquers, which is when, sweetheart? This, this Tuesday at 7.30... 7 o'clock, Linda Tiarina, Pastor Tiarina's wife, will be here ministering. Ladies, you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. Please come. It's going to be good. So 7 o'clock this Tuesday right here. And ladies, you know that's going to be good. Then we have a guest speaker. Reg on Pastor Gino will be here. March 4th, okay? Good friend of ours, good preacher. He's going to be ministering on our Wednesday. I said, come on Wednesday. I want you to come on Wednesday. And uh, because Wednesday is a little different for us. I love our Wednesday service. I love both services. But uh, I want to encourage you, Wednesday, March 4th at 730, come for prayer. Come get a hold of God. And uh, that's going to be good. So mark that down. And I'm glad to be here. Why don't you open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and just hold that. Just hold it, man. Just read. We're going to get to it. Sometimes I can get so, if I let my mind whirl, you know, about things and the things I think about, the things of God and the answers and direction and the grace of God, it's almost like an explosion in me. You know, like I said, when I think, I said, man, I can't preach what I'm thinking all the time. I got to try to contain that a little bit because I can get amped up about, about salvation. Just can you think about this with me, that for Jesus, for, for God to be born as a man to come, step out of heaven and come amongst us to live a life for us and to die a death for us, this, that would be, have to be something very serious for him to do that. Would you agree? For him to step out of heaven, that's a, there's a serious implication there. Just the very simple fact fact that God would have to step out of heaven, be born as a child, grow, live a life, and then innocent, never sinned, and then go to the cross and die. And the Bible says he did that for us. That is extreme. Why would he do that? What, what, why would he do that? That, that, that simply that implies that if he came to save us from sin, then sin is an extreme issue. Would you agree? It would have to mean something. God says, look, I got to fix this. I, I got to fix it or these are, they're in trouble. My creation's in trouble. So he has to come and do the, the holy steps into the arena of the unholy. You know, he, he limits himself, the all-powerful, almighty God limits himself to a body like we have, you know? And, and he has to, that is mind-blowing to me. And, and so when we, a lot of times we just take religion, I'll use the word religion, we take Christianity, we don't, we don't get the full effect, man. We lose it, we lost it, or we don't see it the way that we should see it. And, but, but if you just think for a while, I mean, it'll move you. You know, there's reasons for us to repent. There's reasons for us to change. There's reasons for us to be committed and, and sold out to God. And I tell you, when you start thinking about some very simple things, 
it'll blow you away. I may know what post-traumatic, post-traumatic stress disorder is. PTSD, and a lot of military people go through it after being in combat. And I, I didn't, I, I used to, you know, like I said, I, I got a, I read a good story about uh, someone who went through it, but being in Iraq or being in Afghanistan and being over there, and these soldiers will go through things. They see their friends die. Sometimes they have uh, traumatic injuries to themselves, but, um, but some guys come back, and then mentally, they seem to never get it together. It's like they're, they're lost for a long time, you know? And the thing that gave me a call, I said, how does this happen? Why do some people, you know, what, what's the deal with that? You know, where they, what, what happened? He, and I think this guy explained it the best. And he says, you go to combat, you go into war, you see life and death every day. You're under an extreme condition, you know, and, and you don't know when it's your turn. You don't know when you're going to die. You, you're fighting for whatever you believe in, the direction that you're going. And then after going through all that, say if you do one tour, two tours over there, three tours, and then they come back to the United States and they see the games that people play and the lives that they live and the things that they make important and they literally flip out about it. They can't grasp it. It's almost as if he says, don't you people know that there's more to life than just worried about what the Cardassians are doing or the newest, newest program, TV, the newest, the newest uh, uh, show or, or sports? It's almost like these guys have seen something that most of us will never, ever see. You know, like I said, they don't, and it's like they, they understand. They got something and, and the light was on and they have a hard time trying to adjust with that. Are you with me? I, th I thought I went to Africa a couple of years ago, and I, I, that was what happened to me when I came back. I had a spiritual PTSD. And what happened is because I, and I went out to the bush country, and we stayed out there for a week preaching and ministering to people. I want you to know their church is up. When I went out there, it was just... Well, anyway, long story short, the church is a couple thousand people strong now. When we went out there, there was nothing. People sitting in the dirt. You know, that was two years ago. And I'm preaching to these people, and, I'm, and it's like, and, and, and I, I'll never forget preaching the simple gospel, how hungry they were to want to know the word of God and to hearing about the forgiveness and the love of God and how people responded. And I watched people who, had, who were definitely demon-possessed and watched them get delivered of demons and people were messed up and witches were out there and praying against us. And, 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 and then, you know, like I said, and just, it got to the point where people didn't even go home at night. They came during the day, they stayed all day so they can go to the service the next morning because we'd preached every day, all day long, that they would sleep right where they were, right where they were, right where they were. They slept. And after seeing this, it just blew me away. I come back to the United States, come back home, this is home, and then you see the response or the lack of response that people have to the gospel, and it trips me out. It just blows me away. I said, these people were walking for, take two or three days to get to where we were at. And people walked two or three days to get where we are just to be part of that revival, part of that outreach. And that, that trips me out, you know, just blows me away. <clears throat> Why did I say all that? I don't know where it's going to bounce around in your mind. Let that sink. But just think, the gospel of Jesus Christ is extreme. It's extreme. We live in a time of extreme. You know, like I said, if you turn on YouTube, the new thing is 
I don't know if you guys look at YouTube. Every now and then I look at it. And you got two people on side of you, and they kick your feet from under you, and you crack your head. And it's called, there's something like, I don't know, something that comes about cracking your head. Another time before that, it was eating the Tide. Was it eating the Tide capsules? Little balls of Tide powder, and you'd eat that. Uh, you know, and the, you know, the things you get out the car, let the car roll, you dance, you know. Uh, extreme sports where it's, it's not good enough just to ski down a slope. No, you got to go to the top of a mountain. You know, when people do mountain climbing, they climb with no ropes. You know, it was a guy who just passed away not too long ago, climb up the side of a mountain, you know, and just, you know, you know, free and that, you know, this, this, we live in a time where people are living and wanting things that are to the extreme. God was extreme way before anybody else was extreme. Way. Before it was cool, before it was popular. And he did everything. He went to an extreme way. He went to the distance to save us. He did everything he could. He does everything he could. And I want to challenge you along the lines that we live in a world that's so messed up. People are so jacked up and so caught up in sin. The only thing that will help them is the extreme gospel. And I'm talking about some mamby pamby sissified story, you know, just as lame, you know, and you just come to church with us. It's going to take more than people coming to church. People need to hear about the extreme love of God. That, that, that if God loved us so much that his son went to the cross for us and died for us, God stepped out of heaven to come fix us. That's extreme. That's, that's extreme. People need to hear and understand the extreme need to turn from sin. And that sin is not something that we can play with. It's not a game. It's not a toy. It might feel good for a short uh, 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 period of time, but sin is the thing that kills us and destroys us and separates from us from God, not only now, but also in eternity. And so the cure for people's sin problem, the cure for addictions, the cure for a jacked up and messed up life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel works. It works. And, the word, and I want to challenge you that you and I, being the people of God and having answers to change people's lives, that we really understand that it works because it worked in us. But when we're preaching it and teaching it, we have the confidence that it's going to work in them. How many of you know somebody that's messed up? Their life is totally jacked up and tore up. Can God change their life? Can God change their life? Yes, he can. And you and I need to preach it that way. Yes, God can change you. God can help you. I'm talking about the extreme gospel today. Second Timothy in chapter three, it says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves in their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that couldn't make them godly. Stay away from people like that. 
And so here Paul is writing to Timothy and he's telling him about the way the la- these are the signs. And I tell you what, you can look at that and say, man, that's today. That's that's right now. This is this is the attitude and the spirit and the posture of people. We are definitely in the last days. And the Bible points out other signs and times that Jesus is coming back soon and that all this stuff is coming to an end. What Paul said, this would be the attitude of cultures. This would be the attitude of people. This would be the attitude of societies. And I just talking about the United States, but all around the world, people would have, this would be, you know, the, 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 the posture, position, the attitude, the perspective of people. And the only thing that can change that is the gospel. In Psalms 22, 19, and uh, to verse 22, it says, but you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, Hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horn of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. And here's a man who's making a proclamation to God and he is speaking some things about his salvation how he was in trouble, that the dog was after him. He talks about the dog, the lion's mouth, the sword, the horns of the oxen. And, and he's, he's being poetic, but he's explaining what kind of situation he was in in life. His life was being tore up uh, from the floor up. He's, he's got some issues. There's things going on. He's afraid. But it also says, he says, you have answered me. I have cried out to you and you heard me. You did a miracle in my life. You stepped down. You intervened into my, 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 my situation, and you turned it around for your glory. I'm going to church. I'm going to sing praises. I'm going to worship you because you changed my life. This man is serious about what happened to him. He is serious about his salvation. He is not exaggerating. He's not playing a game. He realizes that God did a powerful thing in his life. How about you? The life that we, that, you know, when Jesus came into our heart, I don't know if you, if you, if you can relate to this guy here, man, but, but God saved me. God, you know, let me can say that without even explaining all the details and all the things that you were uh, up to your neck in and, and all the things, you, God saved me. God saved me from my sin. God saved me from myself. God saved me from the world. God saved me from the drug addiction. God saved me from jacking up my life. God saved me. I cried out to him and he heard me. And it was through the gospel that our lives was changed. When no earthly ministry could, could, could help this guy, when, when no program and, and no uh, education and no amount of money, nothing was going to change his situation or his circumstance, he says, God answered me. That's the gospel right there where God is able to touch your life. God is able to move in your situation right where you are. Do you believe this? That God is able to turn things around for you. He's not impotent. He is not deaf. He's not away from you and I. It's, it says he draws near to the broken and the contrite spirit. People, when they're at the very bottom, man, God, it seems like, like a magnet. They get God's attention. And so this is the God that we serve. This is the gospel that God can change a life and help a life when they're at the absolute bottom, our back is against the wall, we're in need of a miracle, God responds with miracles all the time. Have you experienced this? Have you experienced this? Because this is the key to everything, man. I'd say what, after God changed my life, there was no going back. 
When, I, when God forgave me of my sins, there, I wasn't going to go back, man. It was a miracle. I was stuck. I'm in a pit. I, I don't have another way out. And, and God reached down and touched my life. I can't go back. How, how, can, can you go back after God forgave you? Can you go back to the sin? Can you go back to the old life once God pulled you out of this? After God worked this miracle, can you even go back? Another question is, is this the gospel message we preach? That after God touched us and changed us and worked a miracle in our life, when we're talking to other people, is it with the same intensity? Is it with the revelation and the truth of how powerful God is? You're speaking from the heart because God changed you. Because this is what makes all the difference in the world. Are we telling everybody that God can deliver from the, from, the, from the wild dog and from the wild oxen? Can God work a miracle in a person's life if God touched me? You know, I said the reason I can pe- preach and the reason I've been preaching all these years is because God changed my life. I can stand here and tell you today, God will change your life. God did a miracle in my life. So I can stand right here with all confidence, without blinking, with looking straight in your eye. God can help you. God will help you. God hears your prayer. He loves you. I I can tell you all this. Why? Because he did it for me. How about you? He's saying this is the way that we're supposed to communicate back to to others who don't know Jesus. We're supposed to be to speak with confidence. You know, it trips me out how people can be extreme in so many things, but when it comes to living for God, they want us to calm down. They want us to calm down. You don't want to be too wild about this thing. You know, you know, the uh, models or entertainers, you know, they, they're taught, trained, and encouraged, you know what I mean, to own it, you know what I mean, to do the Beyonce thing, you know what I mean, and, you know, this girl, I don't know if that she's the one saying this girl's on fire, whoever saying that stuff, but, but anyway, they want them to own it. You're supposed to strut it. You're supposed to let it loose. It is your time. It is your turn. You're on the stage. You need to embrace this. You need to let it go. But when it comes to living for God, we're supposed to be quiet and not to be so extreme and not to say anything about the new life in Jesus Christ, man. I tell you what, living for Jesus is better than hitting the lottery. And I tell you, if somebody hit the lottery and had me, oh, man, you're, you know, you're trying not to tell anybody. But guess what? It's going to bubble up. It's going to come out. And better than the lottery, eternal life, God making himself real to you, forgiving us of all our sins. How can we contain that? How can we be quiet about that? How can we not tell people, you know, like I said, on our, in our workplace, you, here's your friends and, and the people you work with and the people at school, and they begin to express their pain and their heartache and the things that they're going through, and you don't tell them the answer? You don't tell them that Jesus can change their life even though you know it to be true? Why? Because he changed your life? God, help us. God's got to help us in that one. Is this the gospel message that we preach? Is it extreme? Are we extreme? Hebrews 7.25 says, therefore, listen to this, therefore he is, this is extreme. This ain't, this ain't mild, this ain't low key. It says, therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. It's talking about Jesus. He's able to save to the uttermost 
Not, not a little bit. You don't get forgiven a little. You don't get a program. You don't get halfway there. God doesn't just forgive half your sins. Or look, we're going to do this in increments. I'll forgive you for this, 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 and that, because that happened first. And then we're going to forgive you from this, 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 and this. And, and I know you got all these addictions and all these problems, you know. He says, but we're, going to, we're just going to take it slow, you know what I mean? And, and let you take it easy and just crude. We don't want to blow your mind. I don't, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, my mind was blown. Because God began to work immediately. Everything that I would allow him to work in, and he worked it. Everything that you give God room for and allow God, Christy's singing the song, you know, we give you, we give you permission, we invite you in, we want you to come. When you, when you have that attitude and that spirit of, uh, in your relationship with God, there is nothing that God won't save you from. There's nothing that God won't heal you from. He's always working, always doing things. We're the ones who limit him and restrict him. And I tell you what, you need to get buck wild when it comes to living for God. You know what I mean? If you can go to a party and shake it until you break it, you know what I mean? If you can do that in front of everybody, then it's spiritually speaking, in life itself, in living for God, you need to take the restraints off. No, I, I, we, we don't want to get too religious here, sweetheart. We don't want to, we don't be too committed. You know what I mean? People will start thinking weird about us and, and they won't. Who gives a flip what anybody thinks? I'm trying to make heaven my home. Come on. I'm trying. Hey, when I was messed up and jacked up and you know what I mean? Uh, nobody cared then. And so now I'm going to worry about what they, we didn't think about what people thought then. But now we think now that we're living for God, we got to be concerned about what people think. What kind of gospel message are you preaching? Are we telling everybody that God can deliver them? Is there something honest from our hearts that they can feel you know when we're talking do your eyes glaze over <laughs> you know what I mean when you talk about Jesus you know is it something that move like I said you you know you move people you can you know you're so you're so honest you're so up you're so true it's such a fact to you when you start talking about God People sense him and feel him. They're moved by your conversation because you believe it. And the reason you believe it, because it happened and you acknowledge that and you, didn't, you don't want to be quiet about that. You don't want to be quiet about that. Or do you got some lame type of technical gospel? You know what I mean? I tell guys sometimes, I say, you want to win your... You know, especially after he blew it, did something stupid, some blockhead husbands. Every now and then, husbands can be stupid. Every now and then. Now you want, want your wife back or you're trying to win this situation back. And my counsel over the years has always been the same. I notice I say the same thing. You know, and I, I don't have this degree in marriage counseling and I, I got this book and that book and this is going to be the answer and I got this deep heavy knowledge about the strategy for getting your wife back you know what I tell them to do just love her like you never loved her before lavish her with the words and actions let her be the number one thing in your life, man, and she needs to feel it. When she dogs you out and she's still mad about what you did, you know, keep doing it. 
take your licks, but love her, encourage her, win her back, date her, take her out, bring her flowers, whatever it is she likes to do, and you need to do it over and over and over and over and over again. And you know what? Guess what? She just might forgive you. <laughs> she might take you back. She just, she, she, she just might, you know, feel that you really sense that you're sorry and that you're sincere and that you really do love her. You know what I mean? It comes out of you. I think the gospel is that way. People always want to talk about, you know, when it talks about, you know, people say, I don't know enough scriptures. I can't tell people about God. You don't know enough scriptures as if that is the way you talk about loving somebody. You know what I mean? That the way you talk, you, you, when you love somebody, is it as a technical explanation? I let a guy, a little, it was years ago, a friend of mine got in the car when I was in the military, and he was in love. Man, he's, you know, he met the girl of his dreams. He was so ex he got in my car and put his feet up on my dash and kicked back. Now, that was a big mistake, dude. You know, you, it's like, you know, your first time you're in my car and you got your feet. And this is what he said. He goes, Reggie, I'm in love. <laughs> and I was tripped out by him, man, because I'd never seen him like this. But he was genuinely transformed. And I even felt it that he was different. He's talking about somebody that he loves. And he ended up marrying her. He did. We talk about God. It's not this technical thing. We talk out of our relationship with him. You know what I mean? It's not these bunch of scriptures. You know, you can just, you can just talk. You know, you just, you know, talk about your relationship with him and how he helped you, how he saved you, how he forgave you when you first met him. You know what I mean? Talk, talk about not only does he love me, but he loves you too, and he'll forgive you and do the same thing in your life. Are you with me, church? Come on now. Isn't that what, that's what it's all about. This is what our worship service is about. You know, the, our worship service is not technical. It's kind of raw, man. I like that. The piano, Christy's singing, that's it. And you know, like I said, you know what, you put your hands up. If you love God, you lift your hands, you sing, you worship. No one has to tell you to do that. You flow with it. You get into it. Uh, you let your guard down. Why? Because you love him. There's lots of religions, isn't there? Saturday morning, someone wants to offer you a magazine, an awake or Watchtower magazine. They're standing on the corners, every corner in Reseda or every corner in the San Fernando Valley. They're passing them out, and 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 you know, and, and then you got some other ones knocking on your doors, and then you got everybody, and, and it's always this technical thing. Do you know that God has a name? You know, or what day do you? go to church on if you go to church is it saturday or sunday you ever run into somebody tell you that going to church on sunday is a mark of the beast you know or they, what do you believe and da 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 uh, let me tell you what i believe that god loves me that he forgave me of all my sins that's what i believe that jesus christ died and he rose again that that's what i believe that i'm going to heaven not because of my own righteousness but because of the righteousness of christ that's not technical Man, he loves me, and I love him back, and, and, and that's what I do know for a fact. If I don't know anything else, I know that he loves me. How about you, church? Come on. Mm. 
God is able to save to the uttermost. Romans 1, 15, it says, this is why, Paul writes, he says, this is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel. He said, this is when he's explaining about meeting people. He says, I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Greek. For the gospel reveals the righteousness of God that comes by faith from start to finish. Just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. He says, I want to talk. He says, I'm looking for an opportunity to share the gospel with you. My message, you know, I want to pour out. He says, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed about my relationship with God. I'm not hiding it. I'm not covering it up. I'm not pretending. No, man, this is the best thing that happened in my life, and so I want to talk about it. In 1 Corinthians 9, 15, indeed, this is St. Paul's writing again. He says, indeed, I would rather die than for anyone to nullify my boasts. Yet when I preach the gospel, I have no reason to boast because I am obligated to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And here it is. He says, man, there's something wrong with me. I'm in, I'm in trouble if I don't tell people about the love of God. Something is, something's amiss. Something ain't right. Something ain't on track. He says, he's like, said, you know, woe to me if I don't share this message that I have. And I think the worst thing that can happen, if I can remember, is nothing worse. Let me tell you something, a real sad thing. Well, in fact, I don't even want to get to the story. But it's not, I'll just condense it like this. To have an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus, you don't tell them about Jesus, and they die. I mean, I, like I said, and it happens. But there's nothing worse than knowing that I, like I said, to be there, to have an opportunity. You know, I had a, in fact, I'll tell you, I had a friend, my barber, you know, he said he, he passed away last year. But it was interesting. I do get this stuff cut every now and then. But I, he's, I'm taught, you know what bothered me the most? is he's in the hospital, struggling with heart problems. I'm talking to him. He's in the, he's, uh, I wonder why I was trying to make an appointment. And he was in the hospital again. Now I had talked to him, I witnessed to him a bunch of times over the years, over the last 15, Reggie, when he's a little kid, you know, last 20 years, I talked to him about God, the things of God, you know what I mean? We laugh at so many different things. But what bothered me the most was I had another, this time I didn't, I didn't say anything. But he's in the hospital bed, and that was the last time that I heard from him. He passed away. You know, I'm talking to him. He's clear. He's everything. But, you know, except because I, and I know, like I said, I know I've told him about Jesus a lot, but I could have, maybe I should have, you know, and I'm just saying because I'm a person, maybe I should have went and saw him. Maybe I should have told him again. Maybe I should have, maybe I should have, but I'll never get that chance and that opportunity again, but being a preacher, a teacher, a minister of God's word, being an oracle, you know, being, being, being the person that God uses, A, or one of those people that God uses, I should have fulfilled my obligation again. That's the way I feel about that. You know, just saying that from the heart, okay? If we have answers, we're, we're, we have answers. Who do you think the, watch this, don't answer. Who do you think is going to get elected to president this year? And what difference does it make when it comes to someone's life or their soul? You know what I mean? What difference does it make? Man, we're the most powerful people on earth. 
Our voice, uh, the words that we speak, changes someone's life. Not a presidential election, but the gospel. The gospel. I never talk about politics behind the pulpit. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. King Jesus, let's elect him, man. He's on the throne. You know what I mean? The only thing that really makes a difference is Jesus changing someone's life, changing one, some, someone's heart, delivering them from darkness into the light. Acts chapter 4, verse 11. Scripture says, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. There's not another name under heaven that people can be saved. If people are going to go to heaven, they have to give their life to Christ. Jesus said you must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. That means if you're not born again, you don't experience God. I don't care what religion you're part of, what church you go to, what part of the planet, this is what the scripture says. This is what it just says, plain and simple. And so we have a responsibility to open our mouth and to share the love of God with people in a way that it makes a difference. I like jarring people's attention. You know, you come to church, I get your attention a lot of times. I'll talk about hoochies, I'll get loud, I'll do whatever I have to do, you know what I mean? And what I'm doing is drawing you in to hear what I'm saying. I want your attention. I, I'm going to say something. I'm not playing when I'm talking. I said it's a serious business. I mean, if you come to church, then I got to deliver. And now that you're here, I don't want you distracted. I want you to, you know what I mean? And, and, and so, because it makes a difference. And so when you're telling someone about Christ, tell them. Tell them. Look them in the eye. Be sincere. Be real. Tell them your story. Tell them how perfect you are, that you've, you've become so perfect since you've been saved. No, no, okay, right, right, that ain't, okay, so nobody here is perfect, so guess what? Just because you're not perfect does not disqualify you, it doesn't disqualify you from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Okay, don't let the devil rob you of that. Don't, don't let that stop that. Everybody, well, I need to get my act together first. What, you're a sinner trying to tell other people about, about being sinners and God's love for us and forgiving us? Perfection's not the issue here. We're talking about a message that never changes. The message that will save someone from their sin, man. And like I said, and we're at, God touched us, changed our life, and you may not be walking on water, but believe me, there's somebody a lot worse off than you that needs to hear the message and need to understand that God's working in your life and he'll work in theirs. Man. We need to preach this message to the extreme. Isaiah 59, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. You see, God's right on the spot. He's here. He's listening. He's looking. He wants to touch someone's life. He wants to help them that's in jail. He wants to help them at the trap house. He wants to help those who are on the streets because they're because they've been, you know, been out there four or five days on crystal. He wants to help every person, the crackheads. He wants to help the goody two-shoes. God is looking for opportunities to save and forgive and deliver and heal. And so we need to do that. We need to work with the Lord and let God touch people's lives. When's the last time you've told someone about Jesus? Hmm. When's the last time you brought someone to church? Someone messed up. 
I had, was Carla here today? Carla ain't here. Carla brought her, she, she, Carla got so, so pumped up, amped up, she called her whole family. She brought her family here one, and, and had them sit over, they were sitting here, right? So I'm in the back. I got one sermon, and I see that many people at one spot. I got to change my sermon. I already know because I'm getting ready to preach something for the church, but you got all these visitors here. And like I said, and I, like I said, and so I'm changing. Oh, God, you got to help me. I'm, I'm feeling to change the message. So I'm going to change the message. I changed the message specifically for them. I don't know who they are, but, but I just know that, and I have the ability to do that, so I did that. So I thought, you know, like I said, we went on and did that, and so I preached and had an altar call for salvation, but I didn't call people to the front. Carla was a little upset at the end, you know. She goes, hey, what's up with this? <laughs> I brought my family. They need prayer. They need, Pastor, you didn't have an altar call. It was funny to me. But she was serious. So when I found out all this because in the back, Reggie's called, hey, I'm talking to someone. Reggie's come to, hey, Dad, some people want to, want, want, want to be prayed for. And I said, okay, okay, okay. And I'm still talking to some people, you know. And, and, and he says, hey, hey, they really are waiting for you to come and pray and not go back there. And Carla has them all in their circle, standing there, waiting for me to come in there. And she tells me that her, her, her family, they need prayer. I got, I, man, I love that. She, wasn't, she knew that she, her love for her family, they, they were going to need Jesus. They were going to need prayer. They were going to need hands laid. You know what I mean? I'm just, do you feel me? You feel what I'm talking about? To the extreme. We're not playing church. We know that if God doesn't help us, then nobody's going to help us. We have family and friends and people we know. If God doesn't do a miracle in their life, they're never, ever going to change. And we're the ones. We're the link. We are the link to their miracle. Hallelujah. We are the link. All right, folks. Oh, man, I got one story and then I'm going to finish. I'm done. I like this one. What time is it? 2.43. It's still my time. I got all the way up to 3 o'clock. Okay? But look, just, just, just. John, flip your Bibles to John chapter 8, verse 7. I was going to write a sermon here, but I'll just end this one with this. Instead of writing the sermon, I'll just tell you what I think. John chapter 8, verse 7. This story is a cosmic collision. It is like, it's a setup. It's a train wreck that is supposed to happen. That's what this story is about. Jesus is being set up. You got a woman that's caught in adultery. The law says if she's caught in adultery, anybody caught in adultery, you should stone them to death. And you know the story, and, then the, and it's the religious people that bring her out, and they're ready to stone her. The religious people who got all their rules and their regulations, but they don't have a relationship with God, nor do they care about this woman at all. Just to set it up a little bit. You guys got it? Got it on your iPhone, your iPad, Bibles. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw at her first. And again, he stooped down and he rolled on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience 
went out one day, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are your accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That is, a, to me, it's such an awesome story because the law says stone her, the Old Testament law. You got the religious people who care about nothing but their rules, do not care about the person themselves who jacked up and messed up, you know, and blew it. Jesus is talking about love and grace and forgiveness and mercy, and, and he's got a great crowd of people. The religious people hated that, that they're following Jesus. And so they try to set him up in front of everybody. They want him to break the law of Moses. They want something to accuse him for. You know, they're, they're looking for him to drop the ball, make a mistake. And so you have a woman. She is flat out guilty of sin. I want to know where the guy was. You ever notice that the guy wasn't there? But she's brought out. Anyway, that's another story. You know, who, no, he, he's nowhere in sight, but you got her. And they throw her in, in the midst of all the people. He said, and they say, the law says do this. That's what I talk about. It's like a collision. You got the law. You got the rules. You got the regulations. You got the person who violated and broke the laws, the rules, the regulations. The law says kill her, stone her for committing adultery. Uh, it shows you what God feels about sin. You know, I mean, not saying that the law is old. It's Old Testament. It's past, but nonetheless, God had this established, hey, this is serious business. In case you're out here sleeping with somebody's wife or husband. I'm just saying, okay. So, Jesus, the, the collision, the, the, the thing here, the establishment of grace and the power of the gospel is revealed here. Because the rules say, kill her. Jesus doesn't say anything. He keeps writing on the ground. He's okay. You without sin cast the first stone. And they all thought. And they were quiet. The oldest went away first. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody, because everybody knows that they're just as guilty in some way, shape, form, or another. Those without sin, and it says their conscience was killing them, and they all walked away from the oldest to the, from the, uh, oldest to the youngest. And Jesus looks at her, and he says, where's your accusers? Remember, Jesus stepped out of heaven. Didn't I say at the beginning of the sermon? God, God stepped out of heaven, came in the form of a man, lived the life. This is Jesus. This is God himself. He is the word in the flesh. He is exemplifying what he wants. What he Every time you look at Jesus, what does God want? Look at Jesus. What does God expect? Look at Jesus. That's all you do is look at his life, how he did things, how he rolled, how he went, what he said, what was important. And here he is right there in the midst. The woman's caught. She should be, bam, judged, dealt with. He deals with all the hard people. He says, hey, you without sin, you throw the first stone. They're all gone. He looks up. He says, where are your accusers? She says, there, there's none, my Lord. He says, good, okay. I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. What's beautiful about that is he is, 
it's like grace and mercy and forgiveness, that, that, that's not like a pass on sin. You know what I mean? It's not like a credit card or you, get, you escape, you know? It, it's like he's, okay, you're forgiven. I'm not accusing you. You, you know, like I said, I'm not here to judge you. I want to help you. I want to help you out of your mess. Go and sin no more. He did hold a responsible and accountable. He said, look, you need to cut that crap out. Okay, go and sin no more, the way he tells us. Okay, but he's not here to accuse you. He's not here to, people are so messed up. You ever seen somebody so messed up they discuss you? You know what I mean? Their life is so jacked up that they disgust you. And yet God himself is constantly trying to reach them and redeem them and help them and get them back. Bring them out of the darkness and into the light. God's always working. That's all there is to it. The most messed up, tore up people God is trying to save. He's trying to forgive. You and I need to live a life, walk, talk, function, knowing who we represent, that God wants to save everyone. That we represent him. We have the words to eternal life. The words we speak can change them. We got answers. We're spiritually woke. We know what's up. We have a clue. We experience God. And for that reason, man, it's like, do you, do you, turn it off, I'm done. When you go to work, do you have the attitude that I have the answer? Do you have that? I, I can change. I can, I can be used to change someone's life. People are groping, searching, looking. They're hungry. They're thirsty. But you have a clue. You know what's up. You have the words to eternal life. You know what will change their life. It's the extreme gospel. Yes, God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have ever lasting life those words coming from someone who experienced it and believes it phew, that's powerful you can turn your, your your entire family can change your neighborhood can change the san fernando valley can change people on your thing people on your job their lives can change they can change i was in the marine corps when i gave my life to christ and I, for, look, everything is by the grace of God. I was just a two-bit, nickel-and-dime coke peddler in the Marine Corps, lost in the sauce, didn't know what's up. Jesus comes into my life, changes me, and I begin to preach to the people that I sold drugs to. I begin to preach to the people who I worked with. I begin to preach, and what happens, they saw my changed life, and they heard my words. And guess what? A lot of them gave their lives to Jesus. Some of them are in heaven now. Others are pastors and preachers and evangelists. Others are, there's churches all over, whether it's New York or California, people that I, my wife, I use my wife, myself, we directly influenced them. We made impact in their lives with the gospel and they're living for Jesus today. Now, God gets all the glory, but I'm just telling you what you can do. Right now, there's a church in, in uh, I wish I can't even say the city now. Not the city, but the area. These people that, if, I'm, I'll show some more pictures, man. Right now, there's a church 
of 1,500 to 2,000 people. And when I went there two years ago, me and Pastor Dave Tiarina and Coney Orozco, and like I said, they didn't even have a building or nothing. We just preached to people sitting in the dirt. God touched their lives, changed them, and now it's a powerful work. I'm going to show you some updated pictures. But I'm just saying the gospel needs to be preached in its extreme. And the gospel works. God forgives people. He loves people. He saves people from their sin. We're supposed to communicate that. Shame on us. Woe to us if we don't preach the gospel. Are you with me? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Glory to God. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. For more information about our church, visit kirchurch.com or follow us on Instagram at kirchurch.com.